Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. I don't know that I have ever been A, more excited for a podcast episode, or B, had more on the sheet in front of me of stuff that we want to talk about. Because we are recording this Tuesday evening, this episode will be out on Wednesday, and there's a pretty good chance that more stuff uh, has happened for the Titans in free agency uh, since we start recording this. There's a chance that by the end of the time we're recording this, more will have happened. I've never seen anything like this, guys. We'll get into all the specific stuff. Bud Dupree is the big free agent signing of the Titans and will end up being the big signing of this period. But they've also gone out and gotten Janoris Jenkins. They went out and got Danico Autry. They got a tackle from Cleveland. And, oh yeah, they also caught Dennis Kelly and Adoree Jackson and passed on Corey Davis and Jonu Smith. We're going to get into all of that and what may end up being a two-part episode, I don't know, but but we've got the topics. We're going to hit everything. We're going to keep going until we get through it all, and of course, we'll do Stop the Nonsense at the end. Generally speaking, though, guys, as we get started, is this the craziest free agency ever? Not in terms of like, oh man, that's a wild move, but just the volume. Like, it feels like every two seconds, my phone goes ding, 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 because something else happened. It's been out of control, and since we recorded our last podcast, uh, Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro got released. Like, we didn't even get to talk about that on the last one. Oh, yeah. So, 
you're right. Like the sheer volume of moves that have happened, both incoming and outgoing, it's been it's been overwhelming. I'm excited to talk about all of it, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything that has happened and everything that's probably going to happen um, as a direct cause of this. So I'm excited for sure. And and that uh, Vaccaro and Butler is like what the ninth most interesting topic we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> on this episode yeah it feels like that happened years ago like it's like i can barely remember what numbers they wear because so many things have happened you know it, it's we knew it was going to be chaotic and there was the you know viral tweet that was like it's going to be a bloodbath i i don't know that i expected it to be like this and there's a lot of good and a lot of bad in it just because there's so much going on that most teams are shuffling a lot whether they really want to or not, they have to to fit underneath the cap. And there's still a lot to come because I think the thing, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably already passed, but uh, it may be noon Eastern on Wednesday when everybody has to be cap compliant. So there's still several more moves that have to happen around the league. And the reality of this too, last thing before we get into the Titan stuff, is all of these players out there are going to get signed. I, I mean, you know, you just mentioned it, Well, There are going to be more cuts coming. The Malcolm Butlers of the world, Kenny Vaccaro's of the world, even like, you know, to go aside from the Titans, guys like Casey Hayward, who were who was a cap casualty for the L.A. Chargers. Guys like that are going to end up on teams. I feel like they're going to get one-year cheap deals so that they can re-hit the market next year once the coronavirus is over and, and money is, is back to normal. But a lot of football teams... You know, yes, everybody's having to cut guys to get under the cap, but I feel like a lot of football teams are also going to be better for this because of the really good players they're going to be able to get on cheap contracts. Yeah, and a lot of teams are like restructuring contracts in order for the players' cap hits to be lower and then they like backload the contracts. So there's a lot of creativity going on in NFL front offices right now. Uh, the Titans didn't go that route um, with the restructuring of contracts. Instead, they decided to just cut players outright. Uh, we'll see if that's the right move. Uh, I don't know. But, um, yeah, there's just there's so much going on in the NFL right now, and there are a lot of good players still left to be signed. I know it's only been one day. It's been like a day and yeah. a half that free, free agency has actually been even open. Uh, well, technically, it's not open. It's, it's a tampering period, right? But... It has felt like like weeks. It, it really has because so many transactions have uh, have happened, and, and there are so many left to go. And even though I'm sad to see a lot of these Titans players leave, I still think they're in good position to to fortify the roster through free agency. Uh, and I think they will because they have plenty of holes now on the ro- on the roster. Yeah, and we'll talk more specifically. I think about every individual person, but the just focusing on the cuts, it is interesting because they've cut several guys that we've talked about, like Dennis Kelly, and guys that I didn't think were guys that they would cut. But it just seems like if you're over a certain age and if you're a top 10 cap hit and you're not a pro bowler by now, they were just done with you. And like, if, for as good as Malcolm Butler was, for as good as Kenny Vaccaro was, you know, all those guys, 
it just seemed like they they had it in their mind where they're like, if you're either a foundational building block for the next two years and beyond, or we've got to evaluate how much you're going to help us this year versus how much that money we can get from cutting you will help us for the next two years. And I don't know. It, it, it's been a roller coaster because at the, maybe a few hours ago, so like 26 hours ago or something, we're recording at 6 o'clock. Uh, so like yesterday at four, the world was coming down because the Titans had like lost Corey Davis and John Smith and hadn't really done anything. And then that night, John Robinson made, you know, the Dupree and Autry signings and we kind of came back up and then there were cuts this morning. So we'll see if this has another, if this roller coaster has another, up. but right now it's just kind of, let's see what happens next. Where do you guys want to start with this? We could start, there's kind of three categories. There's the good, there's the sad, and there's the confusing. Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, that's probably the sad. The good, I really like Autry and Vic, Vic Beasley. I keep wanting to call him Vic Beasley. Bud Dupree. And the confusing is the Adoree Jackson, Dennis Kelly, uh, see you later move from earlier on Tuesday. Where do we start? I guess we could go in chronological order in, in terms of how they happen. So yeah. we could start with Johnu and Corey. Yeah, let's do that. So John okay. Smith and Corey Davis, uh, both players, obviously, that you know the three of us have covered on our podcast for the last four years because we started podcasting together the year that those two players uh, became members of the Titans. Uh, we've been pretty consistent, I think, about how all three of us feel about those two players. I think especially lately we've been consistent with how we feel about Jonu Smith. I do want to talk about Smith because – uh, as you two know, and as I'm sure all of you listening know, I've kind of got into uh, some debates, conversations on, on Twitter with a lot of Titans fans who disagree with what I think is all three of our perspective on John Oose. We'll talk more about that. I'll say this about Corey Davis. Uh, we all agree he's a number two receiver for the Titans. Maybe for the Jets, he's more than that. But for the Titans, especially with A.J. Brown in place, he always was and always would have been if they had kept him a number two receiver. And in the NFL, when you're working under a salary cap and you're paying a quarterback and you're paying a running back, you can get a number two receiver from the draft for very, very cheap. That's why I believe that Corey Davis was not brought back, even though he was cheaper than I think any of us expected him to be. Do we agree with that? Yeah, uh, well, when I saw the number initially, I was like, oh, that's it? But then, like, yeah, I realized it was $12.5 million per year. And, yeah, I would have been fine with the Titans bringing him back at that price. I don't think – I think it's a fair price, all things considered. Uh, and I wonder if Davis really just want to leave to go be the number one somewhere else. Uh, I think that also might have played a factor uh, in, in that decision. But I agree, we could, we still can find a wide receiver too in free agency uh i mean marvin jones even though he's 31 years old he just signed with the jaguars for seven seven million a year seven and a half million a year like that's a really good deal uh i know emmanuel sanders just went to the bills i haven't seen the contract yet but it's probably going to be somewhat similar uh and there's still players out there and i think the Titans could get a relatively team-friendly deal uh, and if not, they'll just attack the position through the draft. And it's a good draft class for that position, whether they need, you know, an immediate wide receiver two or if they can get 
uh, kind of a project, maybe back up at first and then becomes a starter kind of guy. So I, I feel like they're in a, a solid position at receiver. I mean, I think you're. And, well, hold on, hold on, hold yeah, on. Not ahead. yet, not go yet. Ahead. I meant that that they can be because they still have options. Right now, the wide receiver depth is disgusting. Yeah, it's really bad. Agreed. Obviously. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because I think that if it was in, I could be wrong. I think if it was any other year, I think they should have paid him. I think they should have paid him now. But the uh, this is the only reason why I can kind of understand why they didn't. But, man, I, I think y'all are in for a rude awakening. Like, I I, I think that... We're Corey about Davis to see was, how good Corey Davis really was, Matias. You, you laugh, <laughs> but I, I have seen a we lot might, of bad might. receivers come through Tennessee. And everybody said, you know... I, I can count on one hand the times we've had receivers where I'm like, oh, that guy's actually really good at football. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, you're about to see A.J. Brown get doubled a lot. You're, I mean, it, it's it's going to be real ugly. So either A.J. Brown has to be the best receiver in the NFL next year or the Titans have to get incredibly lucky and get the one wide receiver who's going to be as efficient as Corey Davis. And, I mean, it just – it's not. It's not going to happen. Well, and be- I'll, I'll tell you that now. Like, I mean, I've I've looked at the class coming up. People keep saying it's deep because they haven't watched it fully, or because they've watched highlights of different guys. It's deep in the top three, and then it is a confusing mixed bag from there. So there's guys you can like later, and I'm fine with taking, but it, you can't just grab. Eskridge and Rondale Moore and you can't you can't put Elijah Moore like you can't grab all these slot receivers and put them in but then you also don't want to overdraft a slot receiver only so you wait until the later rounds to grab those guys and then it's just this is a bad way to start unless they sign somebody else I still think they have to sign somebody and I'm not talking about I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about well of course they have to sign another person and they only had this. I'm saying they need to sign somebody else who other teams wanted to be their starting one or starting two. Like that they, they can't they can't go out and add John Brandt. Like they can't go out and add some guy who's gonna be on a one year four million dollar contract. Like that's not gonna work. Like they, they need legitimate talent on the other side of the ball and it it can't be a guy who, you know, okay, yeah, he was good, but he's going to be great this year. He's about to take the step. It's like it's kind of like how you feel about pass rushers. Like, you can't draft a guy who's got traits who you think you can improve because you don't have the volume to improve, and that's not the guy you're looking for anyway. Yeah, you're looking for a guy who Don't draft traits, primarily draft, draft football players. Yeah. I mean, like, so it, it's, it's going to get scary. Like, and it's going to be a question mark up until week one. Uh, like, it's uh, I don't know I, I hate the fact that Corey Davis sitting on this team because he was like if you were drawing a guy and said look that guy's available for twelve million dollars a year I would say yeah sign that guy and they let that guy walk so that means they're not willing to spend the resources I I just don't I mean it just well, it so, seems like it's bad so let me say this two things first of all I agree with you they need to find someone who other teams want who will that be I'm not really sure. But I think that can be had for a lot less than what Corey Davis was going to command. Again, 
A.J. Brown is your superstar here. He's the guy. His targets need to go up. He's about to get a lot of money a year from right now. He's your guy. So you need someone who can, I agree with you, you know, not just John Brown. You need someone who can take attention away from A.J. Brown. But you also don't have to have someone quite as good as Corey Davis or maybe you get someone as good as Corey Davis or who, who can at least put up Corey Davis production but not cost as much as Corey Davis. And with, as we're recording this podcast, with the way the receiver market is situated at this point, it's looking like that might be very viable because very few of these guys have signed outside of the randos that the New England Patriots signed and Corey Davis going to the Jets. Uh, not a whole lot of receivers are off the board. Some of the older guys, uh, Marvin Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, are gone. But like the, the young coming off their first contract receivers, those guys are still out there, and I think they're going to be able to be had for a lot less than what Corey Davis was had for by the New York Jets. So that's, that's part one of this. Uh, but part two is this. What we have to keep in mind, and what a lot of people that I've seen on Twitter have to keep in mind, is that the season is not starting this Sunday or, or this afternoon. Like, I think a lot of people were like, they think Nick Westbrook Akeen's going to be the wide receiver too. No one thinks that. Like, John Robinson is not sitting there thinking, I'm going to prove to them that I can find undrafted free agent. No, like, John Robinson would barf at the idea of Nick Westbrook Akeen being the number two or number three or maybe even the number four receiver. There are going to be multiple other receivers, two to three added between now and and the time that training camp starts so before we evaluate this receiver position which the three of us aren't doing we're we're just having a a reasonable conversation but before anyone starts talking about man the titans receiver is going to suck this year well let's slow down on that because we have no idea what that group's going to look like outside of one player who happens to be really really good that being aj brown yeah, and I, I think all of us are, are victims to maybe overreacting a little bit, but sometimes fans are going a little crazy. Like, as we just, just mentioned, it's been a one day, one day and a half of free agency. We still have the draft. We still have the second, third, fourth, fifth waves of free agency. Like, there are going to be signings. So this is not what the wide receiver position is going to look like. Uh, whether you like their remaining options or not, they're they're going to sign some players at that position. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, they lost Corey Davis, but what else? What other like wide receivers from last year when they were one of the best offenses in the NFL have they really lost? Like Adam Humphreys wasn't available for half the season. Uh, Cameron Batson got a bunch of snaps. He's still on the team. Raymond got some snaps. He might be re-signed. We don't know. Like, it's not like they lost a, a ton of wide receiver talent outside, uh, outside of Corey Davis. So I think we all need to calm down a little bit, see what they do. I think they're going to sign probably one or two receivers. I would like to see them get Curtis Samuel. I, I think he'd be a really high upside signing, and I don't think he's going to break the bank. He's Hopefully he costs less than Corey Davis because if he costs more than Corey Davis, then the times probably aren't signing him uh like will said before like they would have just signed Corey davis if they if they felt the need to to spend this kind of money on a receiver so we'll see what they do let's all just just relax for for a little bit of time yeah i mean 
like I said, we'll we'll see where this roller coaster goes next. Like I, it just in general, I think that John Robinson has seemingly always had a plan on how to build the roster. It's gotten them here despite Mike Vrabel's best efforts. So, like, I I think that there's a plan in place and that the latest cuts indicate that they've got either a handful of targets like that they're they're going to use the money on or whatever just by the timing of it. Maybe it's a trade. Maybe it's, you know, more signings, whatever. But it feels like a weird time to make those cuts on a Tuesday when you could just make them on Wednesday. So... That makes me think that there's something in the works already. And like I said, maybe maybe that happens on the podcast while we're recording. I don't know. But uh, there there has to be another shoe dropping. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Why Real quick, I mean, I, am I missing something on Tajay Sharp? Like, why they're not just bringing him back? I know he's not special, but, like, he's better than everyone else but Brown. <sighs> Yeah, well, I was going to say he, he's not good. But you're right. I mean, for what, a, a million dollars? As well, oh, right? yeah. Yeah. One to two. <laughs> Tops. Like, at least he catches the ball at the very Every least. time. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'd, I'd be down for that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back. Like, he didn't even play last year. So, let's talk about Johnu, guys. This is the one that I think we're, we're pretty much on the same page with. I, like,. I think a lot of people have adopted this mindset of if you think that the Titans or any team should not re-sign an impending free agent, it means either A, you think that impending free agent is terrible, or B, you think he didn't do much. Uh, that's false. It, it is It is. A reductio ad absurdum, you know, taking our position of that. We were very consistent about this on our last couple of episodes where we said the thing with John U. Smith is he does a lot for the offense. He is a good player, but at the end of the day, what he does is replaceable. A lot of people seem to forget that when you move on from an impending free agent, that does not mean that you are then, for the rest of time, stuck with a hole at that spot. It is then the job of the general manager to go and replace that player. So what I, and I believe all three of us, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but what I, what I think we're all saying is with Jonu Smith, he got so much money from the Patriots, but even with if it was a little less with the franchise tag figure of, of roughly $10 bucks. The value did not line up for what he does for the Titans. He doesn't put up very good production, less than 500 receiving yards in each of the last two years, played 31 games. Yes, he blocks in the run game, but you know what you can find very easily in the draft? A tight end who can block in the run game. When we say that Jonu Smith should not have been re-signed by the Titans, we're not saying that he stinks or didn't do very much. What you're saying is that he played a distinct role, and that distinct role can be replaced by the guys who are in-house, which is right now Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swaim, plus a draft pick. And that also, you know, when Lawan went down and John who had to stay in the block more, the offense didn't miss a beat. There wasn't a point where, where, where we kind of said, 
And if only Jonu Smith was able to go out and catch more passes. Because it was fine. So, again, you have to do something to replace him. But with the foundation they already have at the position on the roster in Swaim and Ferkser, both of whom are obviously multiple steps down from Jonu Smith. I agree with that. But you add to that fold, and then I think with that trio, you can replace Jonu Smith's role. Yeah, I, I, I think people really overreacted to maybe some of the things some of us have said about Jonu uh, in terms of his value not lining up uh, with what the Titans need and, and how they would use him and use a tight end. You, you would you would think that we were saying he was Craig Stevens. It was it was unbelievable. Like we think he's a really good player, probably a great player at times. But you're not paying John New Smith twelve point five million dollars. The only tight end I would pay twelve point five million dollars for. There's two. It's Kittle and Kelsey. Anyone else? No. It's just they they're not going to give you the impact that that type of money demands. One, because they're really not, he's, Jonu at least, wasn't as good and isn't as good as Kittle and Kelsey. And two, because the offense just didn't warrant that kind of, you know, targets to to, to money value kind of ratio. So, I, I don't know. I thought we were very logical in, in terms of how we, how we said the John U. Smith situation would probably play out and how we would handle it. And the Titans felt the same way. Bill Belichick was obviously in love with him, but Bill Belichick also seems to be maybe losing his mind a little bit and is a little desperate because he also signed Hunter Henry. Uh, and now he has, uh, I think, two of the top four paid tight ends on, on, his, on his team, and he's trying to turn back the clock to 2010. So... I don't know what's going on there, but I think the Titans made the right decision, and I think they're going to be able to not replace him one for one, but they could certainly replace his production, and they could probably replace his run blocking because, I mean, Jeff Swain is a fine run blocker. You could go out in free agency and find a good run blocking tight end. It's really not that hard. Sure, you're not going to find a two-way guy, but you just you know just replace the run blocking with one tight end and the receiving with another tight end it's it's not that crazy yeah it, i like Johnu. i think he got way overpaid i i, I don't i mean i don't know what, to, what people need to say that we haven't already said like that's not where the most efficient targets were last year it's not the best way the titans move the ball when Johnu flashed the most, it was more when he was kind of the third option and it was a check down on a third and seven and he went up and got it or he caught it for five and ran for two more extra hard yards. It's not like he was a dynamic extra wide receiver on the field. People have this weird mythology in their head about what Johnu Smith did. And Luke, you kind of touched on it too. It, he's not, he wasn't Delaney Walker. Like, he w- and, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to diminish what yeah. Johnny Smith did. I, I understand the argument that well, there weren't as many targets to around. Blah blah. blah. Like I, I get all that. When I say he wasn't Delaney Walker, I mean Delaney was a better blocker. He was more reliable. He played through injuries and he played well through injuries. And 
you know, you could use Delaney Walker as an H-back. You could use him online. You could use him flanked out wide. Like, you could use him the exact same way Johnny Smith was used, but he was just more productive and looked better in every phase. So, you know, it's not, it's not me trying to say, well, we didn't re-sign this guy, so he must not be that good. It's more of, there's, there's a lot of times, and you see it a lot with guards, and it's why I have, you know, safeties, guards, tight ends, and running backs. I have a really hard time spending high draft picks or spending a lot of money on them because almost always, if you spend a big resource, like what, like I said, whether it's a pick or a big contract, if you spend one of your premium resources on one of those positions, you look stupid in two years. You may, cause you may get a guy who's good, but you very rarely get a guy who's great. And there's almost somebody else, almost always somebody else right around that area or right around that money who does more for your team and who plays a more important position and, you know, really the Titans looked at it and to me it looks like they said, okay, we've manufactured tight end production for the last eight years. You know, we found Delaney Walker who was somebody that people liked but nobody loved. We turned him into a pro bowler. We took Johnny Smith in the third round from FIU and turned him into what he is. Like, we can do this with, with guys that we don't have to spend – you know, first or second round picks on, or who, we don't have to break the bank to pay. So, you know, I look at a guy like Swain, who they re-signed, and I, I've told, I've talked to you all about this, but Pinkney, the guy from Vanderbilt, who people thought a lot about, but he did well, and then he kind of got buried, and then he got cut. It, so this will only be his second year. I mean, that's very similar to what they did with Blassingame, where they found a guy who was a local guy who Robinson had seen a bunch of, brought him on the roster, he did well, and he stuck around. Like, maybe that's something that Pinckney does as the, as the tight end three or the tight end four this year. Then you have Ferkser, Jeff Swain, who replaces Michael Pruitt, uh, Pinckney, who replaces Jeff Swain, and then you get somebody else to, to be another developmental guy on day three. Or you get Brevin Jordan, who we all like from Miami. Like, it's not – this is not some – mythical piece that there's no way to replace like that's that's what's gotten lost but go ahead yeah just one more thing like john who was a fine run blocker but people are acting like his run blocking was winning us games and getting us into the playoffs like he was fine he wasn't like like lee smith blocking out there i don't know where where people got this like well we've talked about it before times fans overrate players are all the time i don't know if john overrated but i think like his impact in the run game was a little overrated uh so i don't know i i feel like Titans fans really just uh, overreacted a little bit it, w- w- with the situation yeah and to kind of go into that a little bit more like if you go back and watch bud dupree versus the titans this year there, there's times where he i mean I, I think that's the game he got hurt in it, it, that johnny smith got hurt in maybe that was houston but that like there's plays where he's flying all around and it, it's somewhere around then when John who gets hurt and the rest of the season goes on and he's kind of limping through it. But at the same time, like I don't look back at that Steelers game and think everything was going great until then. And everything dropped off. It's like, that's really when Derek Henry started to elevate. And this is not a knock on Johnny Smith or Taylor the but those guys were out 
And Derrick Henry and this offense still managed to find ways to, you know, break records. So, like, th- this this idea that one of those guys or whatever is going to crumble this offense isn't right, even if you like Johnny Smith. So that that's kind of what I push back on. And like I said, I feel like we've spent a long time diminishing Johnny Smith, and that's not our goal. It's just you have to understand why when we say, like, there's no way they should have paid that much for him that it's not coming out of a place of he's not good enough to be a starter in the NFL or he's not going to be potentially a pro bowler. It's just he it's not like he was a proven pro bowler who was worth the same contract as the other guys we mentioned. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And and the Delaney thing is interesting to me because Titans fans know what a really, really good tight end looks like. And and Johnny's not that. He's valuable, good player, but he's not Delaney Walker. So um, I think that sums all of that up. Let's get to a happier topic because, Matthias, you requested that we go chronologically. Next up was several hours of waiting, followed by the Titans signing former Colts and Raiders defensive lineman Danico Autry to a deal that will pay him Roughly $7 million bucks a year. His cap hit in 2021 will be just around $3 million. I love this move, guys. The Titans have, you know, Casey was the pass-rushing uh, defensive lineman for a while, but they've never really had anyone aside from him in, in some time who was a pass-rusher from the interior of the defensive line. It's always been kind of the big, beefy, run-stopping guys. I think Jeffrey Simmons can become that, but he hasn't been that yet. So having someone like Danico Autry, who had seven and a half sacks in 2020, I, I think is a really good move for them because Mike Vrabel always says that, and I agree with him, the shortest path to the quarterback is right up the middle. Because you think about it, with the edge guys, they've got a farther way to go whereas those guys up the middle are closer. And so if you can get that penetration up the middle, again, not just on rundowns, but on passing downs, and you can get sack pressure with your interior defensive linemen, it helps out a lot. And so now on third downs, it's not just going to be Harold Landry and uh, Bud Dupree, who we'll get to in a second, and then you know we hope that, that – or they hope that Simmons takes a step forward – you also have this other pass rushing force so that now you've got three guys you've got to worry about on any given passing down, potentially four if Simmons can develop into the player that I think the three of us perhaps expect him to. And the Titans probably aren't done going to get pass rushers. So I really like this move. Not a whole lot of money, and I think has the potential to be a big impact and give them something that Obviously, they were really missing last year, but aside from Casey, uh, they've missed for a while. I like the signing also, and I was surprised uh, at the money. I thought he would probably get a little bit more on the open market just because he's been so productive over the last four seasons, uh, and, and especially uh, with the Colts uh, after after the Raiders. So. I think it was a good value, all things considered. Uh, I remember, I can't remember which game it was, but one of the games against the Titans, he was just wrecking the offensive line. And, and I remember writing something along the lines of, I had no idea Danico Autry was like prime J.J. Watt or something like that. He really showed out against the Titans. I think he had five sacks in his last five games against the Titans and four in his last 
three or something like that. So it was clear that the Titans really liked what they saw in person. Uh, and I don't blame him because he always looked good when he played against them. So I'm excited. Uh, he's productive. He seems to have a high motor. Uh, he could play kind of along the entire defensive line because uh, I saw some, some places have him listed as an edge just because he played a lot of uh, a lot of like four three defensive end. Uh, and, and I think he's he's versatile. And, and we all know Mike Rabel has always talked about, you know, front multiplicity and all that. He he hasn't always practiced what he what he's preached. Uh, but I think with Autry, he has a, a really nice chess piece uh, and kind of an upgrade over Jack Crawford, who played a lot of defensive end in some uh, in some formations last year on the defense. So I'm excited. And I think they got really good value. Yeah, like I think I think you nailed it. I think he's just a better version of Jack Crawford. And I've said before, I like Jack Crawford. Like I would still be interested in bringing Jack Crawford back to be a rotational player now. I just think he's good. But so um, let's talk about value. Leonard Williams got signed to a new year new deal today that was like twenty one million dollars a year, something like that, insane money uh, for the next three years. So I pulled up their numbers and. They're both guys who you could call them defensive tackles. You call them edges. They play like five technique, and sometimes they'll play five technique in three, four looks or four, three looks or, you know, over looks under whatever, and they'll play outside the shoulder, and there just won't be a tight end. And sometimes they'll play a seven inside. Really, I'm just trying to be technical and saying, like, you can call, call them either one, but. I think Alter is like two nine five or something like traditionally he's, he's basically like a little bit more of an athletic version of Jarrell Casey. So thinking about that over the last two years, Leonard Williams has 12 sacks. Altry has 11 uh, and Leonard Williams has 16 tackles for loss and Altry has 13. So you're basically getting a guy who uh, over the last two years has one less sack and three fewer tackles for loss, but he's making uh, $14 million a year less than Leonard Williams. So I, I think that's great value. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't want to overstate how good Altry is. I think he's probably the best pass rushing defensive tackle the Titans have had since Casey's. It's got to be Casey's Casey, or his Shinsack yeah. season, right? Like, because Autry, I think, put up seven and a half last year and nine in 2018, if I'm, I'm remembering off the top of my head. So, like, even if we're not including the fact that 2019 was kind of a down year for him, like, sandwiched in between his three sack season, he has a nine sack season and a seven and a half sack season. So, it's like he's more often good than not. And he, more he also often, missed games in in those two seasons. He missed six games in total. So yeah, so it's it's like it's room for more. Yeah, like you've got you've just got to be super impressed with what he's been able to do. And I, I get that he's not a young guy. Like I guess that would probably be the knock on him. But man, it's just it's hard not to get pumped to think okay, this guy next to Simmons and on this newly created defensive line who now emphasizes pass rush. Suddenly, it looks like a completely different front four. And that's that should be super encouraging. Yeah, and his contract pretty much takes the place of Daquan Jones, who got I think it's like the exact same contract, right? Three years, twenty-one million dollars, um, a few years ago. And yeah. we've talked about 
I think Autry probably, and we think he's. A- I think Autry probably spells the end of Daquan Jones as a Titan. I think you roll with Simmons, Autry, Tart, Murchison, and a draft pick heading into twenty twenty one. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. even though he's maybe not a like for like replacement for Daquan Jones, Daquan is probably a well, I don't know if he's that much better of a run defender, but you're definitely getting more pass rush and for the same amount of money, I mean that's just that's just a no brainer. Yeah, like I think again, I I hate doing this because I've already talked about how much I like Daquan Jones. Like I think the plan is clearly get younger, play tier tart as kind of that rotational run stuffing first and second down player, then have where you're using just three, you know, defender where you're using just four defensive linemen, including your edges, then it should be Autry and Simmons. And then if you want to get heavier, you add Tart at nose. But I, I, don't, I don't know, like, again, I'm trying not to get too excited about this because in my head I'll pump it up to make it seem like he's the second coming. And I know that this defense isn't going to lend itself to a lot of sacks. But – it's hard when you see a guy who's just been so dominant, especially against the Titans, and you've seen him in person. And every, I mean, I remember the first time I didn't even know who he was, and it was in the middle of his nine-sack season, and he played the Titans twice. And it was like he, uh, we, you, you went through his stats earlier. It was like every game he was getting a sack and like one and a half tackles for loss or two tackles for loss or something. And it's like, man, this guy's unblockable. And so it's, it's good to not only take that guy from the Colts, but to have him on the Titans defense. Talk about another big move that will help the Titans get after the quarterback. Bud Dupree. That's your big edge rusher. I think everyone knew the Titans would be getting one. The question was, which one would they go after? They went after Bud Dupree. Five years, an average of $16.5 million per season. It's a lot of money, but that's what you have to pay for sacks. And I'm not a big Mike Silver fan, but... He said something on NFL Network several years back that I kind of agree with. There exists in the NFL world a dysfunction tax when it comes to free agency. Sometimes that applies to really bad teams have to pay more for players to want to play for them. The second way I believe that that manifests is if you as a good team like the Titans were in 2020 – are really bad at one thing, that dysfunction tax comes on to where you may have to overpay more than you as a smart team would want in free agency, but you need it so desperately that you're willing to pay that sort of dysfunction tax and do it anyway. Titans had no choice. They had to get one of the top edge guys, whether it was Dupree or Lawson or Ngakwe or, or any of those guys, June on any of those guys, the Titans had to get one of them. They would have gotten raked over the coals by everyone, including the three of us, certainly me, uh, had that not happened. And I think that Vic Beasley, or excuse me, why do I keep calling him that? This is a problem. I think that Bud, why? Because it ends with E, Dupree. Yeah. Easily. I think that's it. You got a, you got a, and they have, they have three letter. They both have three letter uh, first names. I'll, I'll say this. Yeah, about, that, that's what yeah. it is. <laughs> I'll say this about Bud Dupree, and, and then I'll toss it to you guys. I have said this on the podcast this off season. 
the Titans need to go get someone to play in the front seven who plays like their hair is on fire. You know, I told you guys when I was watching the Super Bowl, I was watching Devin White running around out there, and I was thinking, man, the Titans don't have anybody close to that guy anywhere in the front seven. Whether it's an out, an outside linebacker, an inside linebacker, off ball, on ball, Titans don't have anyone like that. That's who Bud Dupree is. This is the kind of guy that you bet on. Not bums like Vic Beasley who tailed off with their former teams and had questionable character and was a reclamation project. Not people like Jadevian Clowney who never has ever had good sack production except for kind of with Mike Vrabel. He had nine sacks in Houston. Uh, This is the guy you bet on. And I'm not saying that Bud Dupree is going to be a superstar for the Titans. We don't know that. But in terms of the, the logic of the decision, this is the kind of player you bet on. A plus athlete, he's super fast, he ran in the low four fives at the combine. Titans have never had anybody like Vic Beasley in terms of athleticism rushing the passer since Javon Kurse. They just have not. Harold Landry is very athletic. He's not Vic Beasley in terms of purely athleticism. He plays with his hair on fire. I've seen videos constantly coming around on my timeline of him uh, giving excellent effort against the run and, and blowing up run plays. Unlike Clowney, he actually disrupts. He makes an impact. He had, I believe, 11 sacks in 2019. He had eight sacks in 10 games in 2020 before tearing his ACL. I've said it like five times already, but I'll say it again. This is the kind of player that you bet on in the NFL. I think you called him Vic Beasley like two more times. After Did I really? But yeah, I think it's... It's oh going to be a hard, uh, a hard trend to kick, but I, 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 I was pulling up uh, Harold Landry uh, relative athletic score stuff for the slander, uh, but yeah, like I, I, I didn't, I don't know if I heard it like now or if as soon as Matias said that, I retroactively heard it and was like, oh yeah, that is the name you said, but I just trust that that means Bud Dupree at this point. <laughs> anyway, Bud Dupree is better than Vic Beasley, yes. and thankfully. You know, I had a weird, like, bias, negative bias towards him. I think it all stems from from the hit he had against Matt Moore, uh, against the Dolphins in the playoffs, like, three or four years ago or something like that. It was a brutal hit. And ever since then, I've, ever since then, I've kind of had the stigma that he's a dirty player. But that doesn't seem to be true. Like, all the reports I've seen about him, all the tweets I've seen from Steelers fans and analysts, they love this guy. And... They love his motor. They love his personality. Uh, and they also love the fact that he improved as a pass rusher and developed after he was considered not a bust, but maybe underwhelming in, in his first couple of seasons. Uh, and, I mean, the production backs up exactly what they're saying. Like you said, he had 11 and a half sacks in 2019. Then 2020, he had eight sacks through 11 games. All the metrics are good. He has a lot of forced fumbles. He turns the ball over when he gets home. Like, and on top of all this, like, there are a couple videos going around, and a lot of Steelers fans and analysts have attested to this, that that he's a really good run defender, like a fantastic run defender, and that he earns his pass rush reps. So that's awesome. Like, that's really exciting to me because those are the types of players – you want your team. Yeah, you want that big sack guy 
that edge who's just going to bring down the quarterback. But if you get that and also get a plus run defender, which I know teams don't run as often as they did before, but it's still crucial to uh, for the ones that do to put them in third and long situations. So it's really important. And this is like what we wanted in Clowney. We wanted a really good run defender who could also get to the quarterback, create pressure, and bring down the quarterback if needed. Dupree has actually brought down the quarterback the last two seasons. Clowney has not, and I think this is going to be a a pretty good signing. And even though he's already 28, maybe that's getting up there. We've talked about how edges and defensive linemen, they usually can go into their early 30s, mid-30s with not too much drop-off in their game. So I think this is a a good signing. And, I mean, he's getting paid like a top— 14 top 12 edge and i think that's what he is like i think he's a really good player like you said he's not a superstar but i think he's gonna warrant his contract yeah he's he's i kept that spreadsheet and i I think i've referred to it a couple of times in the past but i kept that spreadsheet on last two-year production and i think that's important because i think you want to see a guy sustain success it's why Trey Hendrickson was so low when I was projecting him. Um, but Bud Dupree, despite – even – this is not like a per-game thing. This is just a total cumulative volume thing. Even missing the games of the ACL tear that he missed this year, he had 19 and a half sacks, which was top five – or sorry, which was top ten over the last two years, and uh, 24 tackles for loss, which was uh, also top ten. That's right. And so, like – to be that productive and also miss games and also have to, like, I know that there's a benefit to playing opposite TJ Watt. Like that's great, but he is also a guy who takes a lot of production away from you. Like there's not teams that are getting 10 sacks a game and it's split evenly. Like you just, you're at a certain point, the play caller just decides to call fewer long passes and go more quick pass and screen and draw and run. So you don't get that many opportunities. So, to have a guy who's like defensive player of the year caliber, like TJ Watt and still come up with those stats is impressive. And there's, I don't know if it's something that people just presume happened because TJ Watt was there or what, but there, they, other teams did not treat them differently. It's not like TJ Watt was getting double teamed and Dupree had wide open lanes. It's not that at all. Like they're oftentimes, it's a tight end because Dupree played mainly against the left tackle on the defensive right side of the ball. Uh, there's times where he lined up off the ball kind of behind TJ Watt and they would run stunts off of it or whatever, but primarily that's where Dupree lined up. So there are times where it's just the left tackle on the tight end and he's got to take on the team's, you know, generally the team's best offensive lineman in the left tackle and knowing he's there, he's going to get help from the tight end. Like, and he's beating these guys. And a lot of it's just because he's so vertically explosive. Like, there's times against Tunsil where uh, he wasn't allowed to rush fully the whole game. There were times where he had to, you know, step off to the side and work contain or work back to the middle and quarterback spy or whatever because it's Deshaun Watson. But he would get up field so quickly that even if it was a backside play, there'd be times where he ran all the way around Tunsil and still was the tackle two or three yards down the field and that's that's what you want like you want a guy who's going to rack up sacks but 
who's also going to try hard for those one yard runs too. Like who's not a guy who just blows past the play. And if he doesn't make a tackle for loss or a sack, he's not involved. I mean, that's what Clowney was most of his career. Like maybe two games out of his eight games that he played with the Titans, he played fundamentally sound. The rest of them were, if I'm not an immediately beating this offensive tackle, I'm going to stop and stare and find where the ball's going and then get back to the line for the next play. Like, that that's not what Dupree does at all. So I'm I'm very interested interested to see how much his work ethic kind of carries over here, or if because he might be asked to do, and I hope they don't do this, but he might be asked to do a little bit more two gap and a little get a bit more. Let me read this tight end and then make a play. Like if they don't let him play with his hair on fire, can he still make plays? And that's the only big question I have is how he'll do in this system. You know, to, to close out the conversation on, on Bud Dupree, Matthias, you, you brought up, you know, well, we just wouldn't need anybody other than Clowney and, and Beasley. This guy is literally the antithesis of Beasley and Clowney. He's high effort, high production, beloved by his teammates. He's not like, there's no nepotism here. You know, it's not like one of Rabel's boys. He's really the antithesis of Clowney and Beasley, which I think points even further to this being a strong move for the Titans. Yeah, I think John Robinson got really scared off by what happened with with Beasley and Clowney, and rightfully so. Like Those are just personalities that most of the time you just can't rely on, and I'm glad he went out and got a personality that that we should rely on. And I, you know what I'm interested in is whether Dupree is going to line up on the left or whether Landry is going to line up on the opposite side. I think Landry at, at Boston College played on the opposite side that he's been playing. And I think the pre-Kentucky played on the side he's been playing with Pittsburgh. Am I right on that? Does it? Can anyone confirm? That's a I will question. I, yeah, I don't know about uh, Dupree. That sounds right about Landry, though, like him rushing versus right yeah. tackles. Um, that that does sound right to me off the top of my head, but again, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, it doesn't even matter anymore. Right tackles are just as good as left tackles, but yeah, some, something to keep in mind. Uh, we've got a couple of right tackles to talk about next. Let's start with the one who will be playing for the Titans in 2021. I do have to apologize. I can't remember his name. Played for Cleveland last year. Kendall Lamb. Kendall Lamb. Kendall Lamb. Kendall Lamb. I'm hoping that saying his name a lot is going to make me be able to analyze him as a player. Slowly, slowly shifts into Vic Beasley. It's like <laughs> this weird mental thing. Yeah, he, uh, he he got a touchdown last year against the Titans. That was pretty neat. Uh I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a Kendall Lamb expert or can analyze him for you. Uh, However, after Dennis Kelly's departure, we we can go ahead and get into that now because these two are kind of linked. Looks like he might be your starter week one. Kendall Lamb opposite Taylor Lewan on the Titans offensive line. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about him. So what can I really what can I really say? I could I could give you guys a PFF grade. Last year he had a seventy six point eight. So that's nice. exciting. Uh granted he only played hundred ten snaps, so it's really not a, a, a large sample size. 
Uh, and I don't think Browns fans thought he was very good because they, they weren't very kind to him on Twitter. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I can talk about the Dennis Kelly situation. I don't know what that was about. I mean, obviously, they're trying to save money for potentially a couple of big moves. I don't know. What I hate from that is is dismantling what was one of the best offensive lines in the NFL last year. And Kelly was a part of it, and he was really solid. He really didn't have too many bad moments. Sure, he lost every now and then in the run game, but in pass blocking, he was great. Uh, he really didn't make us miss, miss Jack Conklin all that much, even though Jack Conklin was an all-pro. He was better than Dennis Kelly, but Kelly didn't you know, nuke any drives with it with poor plays, so... That was really a surprise, uh, and I don't like it because, as we've talked about, like the offense clearly isn't getting as much attention from the front office uh, this offseason and as much continuity as possible, especially with a, with a new offensive coordinator coming in. Having all five offensive linemen, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and Tannehill, that would have been good. Uh, even though it's only one offensive line position, if this Lamb guy is as bad as some Browns fans think he is, then, I mean, that's not good. And I really don't want to see them invest more at right tackle. Uh, I don't want to see a high draft pick go there. So I hope Lamb is either serviceable or they could get maybe uh, maybe they, maybe they dip in free agency again and get maybe like a Mitchell Schwartz or something. But I think he's going to be too expensive. I really don't want to see them commit too many resources to the position. Yeah, it's weird because he's one of those guys who, you know, you look at his RAS scores and he like he has okay explosion and then his agility is like great. It's highlighted green great. And I mean like yeah, he's super like explosive like his lateral quickness is very good. So is that a guy who in his own blocking scheme you use that lateral quickness and that kind of erases any sort of mistakes or any sort of deficiencies he has. Because, I mean, that's kind of what happened with Questenberry and Sembrello is they were good. They, you know, they were good enough to hook the outside shoulder of edges and they were mean enough to kind of drive through plays and create holes. And Derrick Henry is just good enough to find them. And that's kind of all they needed. So I don't know. Maybe at this point, Mike Vrabel and John Robinson just think keith carter can produce you know chicken salad out of chicken whatever so that's that's their plan like that's all i can think of because this kelly was a good like you know call him a good soldier whatever you want to say like they drafted isaiah wilson to replace him and he did everything he could to kind of help him along according to him and taylor the one on the bus with the boys podcast like it's not like he was standoffish or whatever he's been a backup forever and he finally gets his chance to start and he does well. I mean, it, 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 it'll make you upset because you know, you think, okay, what the system that, or maybe not system, the culture that John Robinson and Vrabel are trying to instill is that hard work gets rewarded. People said, you know, don't, don't extend Tannehill, don't or don't re-sign Tannehill. He's, you know, you're going to pay him way too much money. He's going to be fool's gold. But he had worked hard, he'd studied, he'd stepped up. They took a chance, signed him, and he's been great. Same thing with Derrick Henry, where you don't run him back. He's only had one good year of production. Blah blah blah. But 
he put in the effort and he was constantly working. So, you know, you have these guys and you want to build this culture of if you work hard, it doesn't matter where you get drafted, we'll bring you back. But then you have a guy like Dennis Kelly who kind of tools in obscurity for two years, comes in when Conklin, you know, starts falling off late in that season after he tore his ACL. He plays well. People talk about, well, maybe we should start Dennis Kelly and put Conklin inside at guard. That disappears, and he kind of works through all this stuff of people telling him for years, you should be the starter. You're better than the guy they have in front of you. And he finally gets a chance to prove that and does, and then is immediately, you know, cut and sent back, you know, to the wolves. So that's tough. Uh, I mean, all I can think, like I said, is that they think that Lamb is – is a fringe starting quality guy and maybe they'll find a starter in the draft. Maybe they'll just have competition. Maybe they don't think that it really matters that much on a line with Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, and then also with Questenberry behind them. Like, I don't know, but it, it was definitely the most shocking move that happened today for me. Yeah. And we'll get to a Dory Jackson in a second. Obviously, those moves happened simultaneously. With the Adoree one, I kind of thought, okay, I get it. With Kelly, I was sitting there thinking, huh? Like, I, I, I don't get it. And with you, Matias, like, I don't know why you would want to take an offensive line that was so good just to get $4 bucks or so and take it apart. You know, it's funny. I had, I had turned my phone off. I was doing some writing, and uh, – I figured I would miss something. I'm like, oh, I'll miss something. I didn't know that, like, you know, the walls were going to crumble down while that was happening because I turned my phone back on and had tons of Twitter notifications and messages from you two and from the staff at A to Z. Look, I don't want to take a cheap shot, but I'm going to take a cheap shot. The cheap shot. You know what would be nice? If that tackle that John Robinson took in the first round last year wasn't worthless because that was the plan you have to believe now that what the plan was was start kelly in 2020 make the move that they made on tuesday and then isaiah wilson is your guy for the future for four and a half million bucks a year but unfortunately they drafted someone who is worthless now as, as as my coworker Buck Rising pointed out to me as we were chatting earlier today, if Wilson fails his physical with the Dolphins, this could all still work out. All right, so just hold tight until Wednesday uh, evening, and we'll we'll see what happens there. But look, this this is what happens when you do not draft well. You end up in situations like this where you're having to pay a lot of money. For guys that you don't want to be paying a lot of money to, and and then you have to hemorrhage your roster, even in normal salary cap years, to fit under the salary cap. John Robinson having to cut Dennis Kelly to me for for more than just Isaiah Wilson is an indictment on John Robinson. Mm, I don't. Yeah, Matias, you talk first because I'm too mad. <laughs> I just can't I cannot fault him for this Isaiah Wilson situation. Like we've talked about it in the past, but what about every I other mean, you're first right, round like, pick that wasn't very good? 
the ones I, that got like me, mega we, contracts and like, Dory Jackson who like, got cut that, at Dory Jackson got cut on. after year four. Sorry, Matias, it's your it's your turn to talk. I'm wait, sorry, wait, I told but you were that. we going to talk about this because we kind of talked about in the, in the Twitter chat about John Robinson and the first round picks, and I don't I disagree. Like I don't like the way we frame that only two. Uh, John Robinson first round picks or, or on the team or, or will be starters. And one, this, of, and one of the two stinks. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know how Rashawn Evans is still on the team. Honestly, he's probably yeah. going to get traded at this point. Yeah. But, but the thing, the thing that I can't accept is Corey Davis and Adore Jackson were starters and good to above average starters for four years. The fact that we didn't resign him has nothing to do with whether they were good draft picks or not. They were good draft picks. Like, they contributed to the team. They were they helped okay. Get to Could have been a lot okay. better. But they weren't bad. But they weren't bad. Yeah, so... Yeah, sure, there's... Corey Davis was the, the first and, overall pick. Okay, and, and, and my position on John Robinson recently has been very consistent. He's been good, not great. And especially as of late, he needs to get a lot better. And I think what he did in free agency, the people he brought in, I think that was a good first step. Like Autry, like Bud Dupree. But things yeah. have to get better. We, we, we cannot, you, you can't sit here and every time John Robinson makes a mistake, turn it into yeah, but. Because he's made a lot of them lately. No, His, but you're also... You're, okay, so let's go back to where this all started with the Dennis Kelly Isaiah Wilson conversation. So, what I'm going to say is that you're making a lot of logical leaps that I think make sense in hindsight. But the the idea that this plan was to cut Dennis Kelly this year, no matter what, I think may have been like okay. When we give him this contract, we're going to try to give ourselves an out next year so that we can cut him if Isaiah Wilson's really good. I don't think it was, we need this guy back as a bridge, but we're definitely going to cut him this year. I think it was, oh man, this cap went down for the first time in a decade. I can't believe this happened. I should have been able to predict coronavirus in March, but... You know, that, like I think there's so many extenuating circumstances that changed the way this offseason went. Like these ramifications of a lower salary cap in a league where every contract is built on a rising salary cap year by year by year. Like I, I just don't think that that makes sense to me because, like I said, I don't think people thought this was coming. I know that some teams like the saints and the Eagles, you know, that they were not building their contracts in 2020 for this eventuality. So I think that's a logical leap that makes sense. If you frame it differently, like I, like I said, I think if you frame it, like we're going to spend a first round pick on Isaiah Wilson, although that wasn't even the plan going into the draft. Like they didn't even know they were picking between him and another tackle. So like may, I don't know, like there, there's a lot going on with that, but then go into the next comment of, well, they only have a certain number of first round picks still on their roster, so they must not be like he must not be drafting well. I think that's a weird take because, like we talked about, Jack Conklin intentionally got a contract that, you know, at the time we were like, you can't pay that for Jack Conklin with his ACL injury and with, you know, 
because they couldn't have picked up the fifth year option because that was right after the ACL injury. So they they could not. Have, I mean, I guess they could have, but everybody would have been like, I can't believe they're risking it like this. And he went on to Cleveland and he was an all pro. So that's one. And then what is it? It's Corey Davis next, who if A.J. Brown doesn't come along, Corey Davis is re-signed with the team. The only difference is, is they found a historically productive receiver in the second round, and they have to brace themselves for paying him in the future, like you've talked about earlier. So, they, I mean, they didn't cut him, and I think Buck even said that of the three wide, of the three big free agents, if they weren't going to bring back Corey Davis, they're not going to bring back any of them because that's who they really wanted back. So it's not like they didn't make an effort to sign either of those guys. Then Adoree Jackson was probably on pace to get a contract and stay with the Titans until he got injured back to back seasons and missed three. Uh, uh, sorry, he played in three out of 20 regular season games. Like, that's not an indictment on him, but his contract becomes guaranteed at the league year. So, I mean, I mean, well, they, well, Isaiah Wilson was on pace to be really good before he started living his life like Grand Theft Auto. Like, that's, that's you, such a crazy. That's such a crazy thing to say, though. Like you can't, you can't say same. like, yeah. It's like one guy, like all the other guys were playing in the NFL and were like high caliber players that people really. Cameron Wake was on players. pace to have a good season for the Titans until the other fifteen games started. I, I, I mean, but Adore, I guess. Adore yeah, Corey, making, it was seasons. It seemed Adore, like it wasn't yeah. one week. Adoree had two and a half good years. Corey Davis well, had two good years. Okay. But you're, but I, I don't. So. Also, Rashad was really good the year before this year. I don't know what happened. Yeah. And also, like, the entire well, defensive. Yeah, Shane, the entire defense Shane, declined. Shane Bowen happened, but we can have that conversation at a later yeah. opportunity. But, but the point is, like, I don't think it, like if you're looking at consistency, like I'll put my last five years of first round picks against anybody else's. I think the Titans win that, and you know, just in terms of consistent producers, I think they win that, even including Isaiah Wilson, like against eighty percent of the league, like. I just think that if you're trying to find guys who hit and played, they have more of those guys and who played well, they have more of those guys than most teams. Like uh, just because you put a first round pick label on somebody, I mean, Clyde Edwards, Alaire was a first round pick for the Kansas city chiefs. And everybody talks about how great he was. It's not like he was some revolutionary back. Like he wasn't special. Like there, there are these guys who we don't watch on a game game basis who get these labels of being really good players who other teams like, but then they walk in free agency and we don't blame them for letting those guys go. We're like, wow, look, they got a comp pick back for him. Like, I think it's just, it's hard to see relative to everything else. Cause you're like, look at what uh, Chris Ballard did this year. And it's like, well, he also drafted that dude from TCU after that and traded out of the first round. And that was a terrible move. But like, we don't talk about that. Like we, we don't talk about how he drafted rock. You in after trading I, down. And yes, it's, it's I, like, I, again, I want to be clear. I'm not sitting here saying they need to fire John Robinson. I don't think he's bad. I think he's good. I think he needs to be better. I think the first round picks need to be better than guys who play, two good years and then like an ifish iffy third year and then leave because they're not worth the money that other teams are going to overpay them who who who's the best John Robinson first round draft pick 
for my money, it's Jack Conklin. A guy yeah. that they didn't yeah. want well, enough Jack, to re-sign. Yeah. yeah, well, he got two All-Pros. So yeah, like he, it's probably— Well, they should have re-signed him. We wanted yeah. them to re-sign him. Yeah, that's— Well, yeah. I, I guess that's an indictment on, on John Robinson also, so— Kind of well, goes it's, both ways. It's, just, it's not it's looking good for J-Rob. We should have given— I'm kidding. Kidding. Oh, kidding. We're not going to do that. I was going to say, like, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as cordial with you as I can. Like, you're, you're trying to aggravate me. <laughs> so we, we talked I about do, a, no. Go ahead, Matthias. No, it's just we talked about this a little bit in the chat earlier today. Some of the moves that they've made, well, today especially, it, they seemed a little desperate. Yeah. Like, they kind of— re- of desperation a little bit. I don't think it's only John Robinson. I think, I don't know. I, I have nothing to base this speculation on, but I feel like there's a weird chemistry going on so, between John so, Robinson and Rabel. I don't think they're seeing eye to eye at all. Yeah. So we're going to, I don't know gonna, if I'm on here. We're going to talk about Janoris Jenkins in just a minute, who, who's the most recent, as of us recording this, uh, free agent signing of the Titans. We really hit a dory in, in that conversation, talking about them moving on from him. And, and when we talk about Janoris Jenkins, we'll, we'll talk about what the secondary needs to look like in 2021. But I want to pose this question because, Matias, I like that word desperate. And I think the Jenkins signing, more than any of the other ones, I don't think, you know, Autry or, or uh, Bud Dupree is desperate. I think those are both good, solid moves. Uh, the Tuesday stuff, the big cuts of starters, uh, Jenkins, that strikes me as a little desperate. So... With the sort of hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging that has taken place of this roster, in addition to the Tuesday moves, we, we talked about Butler, Vaccaro, taking a, as aggressive as this offseason has been, do you guys think that if things don't go well for the Titans this season, like let's say they go 6-10, and 10, do people lose jobs? Yeah. Well, yeah. If if the Titans go six, well, hold on. Is there seventeen games, or is it seven is it and 16? ten? Yeah. Okay. Seven. I get so confused. Yeah. Okay. If they go under under five hundred, uh, or seven and ten, whatever. I think Brable's gone. I really do. I don't. I don't think John Robinson would would get fired. I think he has a very strong relationship with uh, Amy Adam Strunk. I think she trusts him. And he has a very good track record. He has built this roster up from what was – it was in shambles, uh, for lack of a better word. And Vrabel has made a lot of questionable decisions during his time here. Like, I think it's logical that if they go from being in the AFC Championship to a 7-10 season where the the coach's, you know, supposed side of the ball, the defense, has been the main, like – liability i think he's got to go that's just me that, that that's what i think i i'm curious because what it like in this scenario i'm assuming that the defense is still trash because if the defense is still trash vrabel's gone i i think he put himself on the line with bowen where he said it's not my fault bowen and i know what we're doing like i handpicked him he's my guy like i'm not i'm not fire i mean he did the terry rubisky like where he said, like, or the uh, Bruce Matthews, if you want to go back to the Mike Munchak days, like he said, like, I'm a good enough coach to where I can kind of throw my weight a little bit, 
and I have to hope that we do better next season. But this is my guy, and I say he knows what he's doing, despite what y'all say. Like I, I'm putting my foot down. And I want another chance, and they said, okay. Like, tell you what, why don't we, you know, let why why don't we give it another try? And if not, remember his butts on the line. Like, and they all signed off on that, and then that like now yeah. now we're here. Like this, this is the year. But if the defense is good and the offense is bad, then I think everybody stays the same because they're like, well, you know, Arthur Smith, new system. Am I right, you guys? Like, and uh, rookie wide receiver is your wide receiver too. Dumb things that don't work generally. So, like, you know, the those things, if, if the offense is the problem, then I don't think anybody gets fired. But See, if the defense is terrible again, and it looks like it did last year, where it looks like guys are just in the wrong spot all the time, then I think that variable's gone. See, in my mind, it's very sh- weird because the message that the Titans have sent us is it was the player's fault on defense, correct? That that, that has come across loud and clear. Yeah, I, th- I think they're saying yeah. that, that that's, who we're bl- that's the only way we can justify bringing back Bowen is so, by telling y'all that it's the player's fault. And so by that logic, Will, if things fail, like, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league – and they promote the guy that was the orchestrator of it. But that their defense was the tools weren't good enough. We're going to get him a pass rusher or three. You know, We're going to get younger at some spots, whatever, uh, and then we'll see what happens. Well, if it stays kind of the same, now granted, I don't think there's any way it stays the same. It would be hard to. It will improve just by Beasley and Autry being on the field. But if let's say the secondary stinks, you said and, Beasley again. That, that, I know. It's <laughs> like I let it go, and then I was like, I, I just I can't let it go. It's funny because I'm picturing Bud Dupree in my head when I say that, but it comes out wrong. That's going to be a problem. Um, but but you know, let let's say the secondary stinks, and there's still all this stuff about you know we just got to communicate better. Like after over nearly two years of this, uh, at that point, I agree, Vrabel would be on a very, very tight leash. However, if things, you know, it is very weird for John, you know, John Robinson is sort of whipping himself on the back and saying that it's the player's fault. Because who brought in the players? John Robinson. So it is very strange Um because obviously, if things go well, then it means that John Robinson fixed his own created problem and that perhaps Vrabel was right or, or maybe he wasn't. I don't know. If things don't go well, then Robinson still wins because it's proven that it was never his personnel's problem. It's always a Vrabel problem. So this is a win-win for Robinson and a win-lose for Mike Vrabel, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a weird situation, really. And I, I'm just, I just start to think that it's a – I'm starting to think in conspiracy theory terms that Vrabel is just in John Robinson's ear telling him, look, these these players suck. Give me the players I need. But conversely, he's making the offense worse, and then the offense is going to be bad, and they're going to be the reason we missed the playoffs. And then you can't blame Vrabel because his side of the ball was fine. 
and then Vrabel stays, and then John Robinson is on the hot seat. So it's weird, man. Like we shouldn't well, be having these these discussions, really. Here's the, the trick: there is that no matter what happens, nobody's going to be like Derrick Henry and AJ Brown are bad. It's going to be like Todd Downing messed up, and that's Mike Vrabel's hire. But it's mm. that's the thing is it's like this mm. never can get traced back to John Robinson. It's like the offense is bad. Man, I hate that. Maybe we should have fired you and promoted Arthur Smith. I mean, he'd been with the organization forever. He was doing fine. Defense is bad. You know, I reworked the entire defense for you. I told you I'll get whatever guys you want. I went out and I spent money on guys who'd done it before. You couldn't do it again. Bye. Like, the everything yeah. works out well. I'm a great general manager. Yeah. I just completely retooled this team, and we made it to the playoffs and won a game or, did you know, or looked like – we were a better team than last year. Like no matter what there's, there's no, unless it, the draft is just a colossal bust. Also Christian Fulton comes in and plays well. Darrington Evans comes in and plays well. All of a sudden Darrington last Evans. year. Yeah. But it, regardless, like all of a sudden, maybe that last draft class doesn't look so bad anymore. You can say, well, you know, they ended up getting yeah. those two guys from that draft classes, and you look back and it's like, man, he's really good on day two of the draft. Like, he finds pro bowlers and great consistent players. Like, you know, Nate Davis takes another step. All like all these things line up because, I mean, we're not that far removed from Nate Davis to the pro, pro bowl hashtags going around. Like, yeah. I mean, it, like, th- there's – I love what – like, it, just talking about smart guys in the league – like now that we all laid it out there, it seems like he's like, okay, I'm gonna let you dig your own hole. I've been here long enough to where I've drafted Hall of Famers and Pro Bowlers and you know guys who should have won Rookie of the Year. I've traded for Tannehill, got comeback players of the year. I found a franchise quarterback with a fourth round pick. If I get fired, Amy Adams Strunk's gonna look like the doofus. Like if you get fired, it looks like I gave you everything you could want. I helped resurrect somebody's career and gave you a Hall of Fame running back, and you couldn't do it, and you failed. Like that. So, like I said, regardless, John Robinson should come out if if all if everybody's paying attention. John Robinson should come out the other end fine. Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. and I want to say this sense. too before we move on. We're not sitting here saying, "Well, when the Titans inevitably suck this year," now, what we're saying is there's something a little fishy about all of this. We use that word desperation. You know, my kind of spidey senses started to go off. I was eating dinner this this evening, and, and I was sitting there thinking back to all the moves that had happened today, and that's about the time that, Matthias, you sent that message. I was just kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, something seems weird about all of this. Yeah. Yeah, and I use desperation, and I don't use the term rebuilding. Like I've seen some fans say that that we're rebuilding for something, but you don't rebuild by signing thirty-two-year-old cornerbacks, a twenty-eight-year-old pass rusher, a thirty-year-old defensive lineman, and then letting go of a twenty-six-year-old quarterback, cornerback, and wide receiver. Like we're not rebuilding. It's very clear that they're trying to revamp and reload to go for it this year. And it seems as if they think this is like the last year uh, for that to happen because some of these moves just, you know, 
they yeah, like 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 we said they kind of reek uh, of desperation and a little bit of of anxiousness which I don't think we've seen from John Robinson in the past. Two, two more things. What'll be go, interesting? Go, go ahead, Will. Go ahead, Will. Okay, I was gonna say. I was gonna say what'll be interesting to see is if there's a, like a. And when I say big, I don't mean monster, but like if there's a big trade where they trade one of their top 100 draft picks for somebody, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like that would that would scream to me like we want to win right now, or else there has to be ramifications after the season. Like if they use all their top picks, like if they use their four top 100 picks and they're in the same order or pretty close or whatever, I think there's still like there's a long term goal. We're not. We're not freaking out trying to get in a window before it closes. We know that we're going to continue to stack talent on talent and we'll be I okay. I don't buy the window argument, just generally speaking. I think it's nonsense. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird argument. Like Your window is, do you have a franchise quarterback? And everything else is, okay, well, it, did you do a good job supporting him? Like Everything, everything else is just nonsense. But yeah, like I, I think if there's a trade, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, maybe this is a like prove it or you're gone like the like we just talked about with the Brable stuff but if there's not I think it's like they're still building towards something long term and short term like that they're not panicking I guess it's my turn now and what I will say is this two more things we need to talk about before we get to stop the nonsense first Janoris Jenkins is the latest free agent signed by the Titans formerly of the Rams, Giants, and Saints. He used to be a stud. I remember with the Giants, really good player. Tailed off toward the end. I believe had some uh, locker room concerns. I'm not very well researched on this. This happened very recently, and I've been in meetings all afternoon, so I haven't gotten to look back at that. But but hopefully you two can talk a bit more to that. He's old. He's 32. But similar to with Bud Dupree and the Steelers writers, I said it right that time. Uh, all of the Saints analysts and writers have been coming out saying, oh, he actually played exceptionally well opposite Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints in 2020. So uh, maybe this is a move of someone who can come in and uh, be a starter for the Titans opposite Christian Fulton, who is probably your cornerback one as we're looking at it right now. So I'll ask, I'll ask two questions. Number one, what do you think of Jenkins? And maybe you can shed some more light on on what I've sort of vaguely remember from the end of his Giants career. And then number two, uh, what else needs to happen in the secondary before it to not remind us of the Valentino Blake Parrish Cox days? Which I think, if the season started right now, it possibly would. Yeah. So he had a couple of like problems uh, in college, but you know that was over ten years ago. Uh, and then there was like uh, a weird story where they found a dead body in in his basement and like his brother was identified as a person of interest. So he does have a little bit of baggage, uh, but by all accounts, like he's he's a fine teammate. He's a good leader. Um, so so we'll see if that rings true. Uh, I'm more concerned about the fact that he's going to be, I think, 33 by the time the season starts or, or thereabout. And. 33 for a cornerback is pretty pretty old. It's not Jonathan Joseph level, and he's been way better than Jonathan Joseph was towards the end of his career um, over the last couple of seasons. J- Jenkins was actually solid last year. You know, he wasn't anything great, but he formed a really good, nice tandem with, with Lattimore. 
Uh, he was fine with the Giants. He did tail off tor- towards the end of his his tenure there a little bit, but he's very productive. I think he's I think he's good. He's not great. Uh, the the terms haven't come out. I don't want this to be more than like a two year deal, and I don't want it to be too much money. I, I uh, even though. Well, I don't know. I just don't really want them to commit that much money. I think he's probably going to be a starter with Fulton and then a slot guy. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not totally sold on him. On him really making the defense rebound. Uh, he he is aggressive and that's good. But as we've seen in the past, the Vrabel and Shane Bowen defense like they don't let their cornerbacks be aggressive. They just play ten ten yards off the ball and, and then they can't really do anything. So. We'll see how they use them. Use him. Uh, I still think they need to. They need to draft someone. I don't know if they need to sign someone. I think they're fine in terms of depth because uh, Breon Borders is, is proven to be a, a very capable player. But I would probably like to see them draft someone, maybe as early as the first round. Yeah, it's weird to me because I'm looking at a snap. And I assumed that he would be a guy that played like 80% of the snaps on defense and that like they rotated in and out sometimes and, you know, moved him around or whatever. But I mean, he played like 91% of the snaps, 95, 98, 100, 100, 98, 100. I mean, like he was a starter starter. Like when he was on the field, they just trusted him to be on the field, play in and play out. And, you know, Rightfully so. Like, you know, I have not looked at him and studied him like this because I didn't even imagine him as a possibility. But, I mean, even, like, let's say just since he's turned 30 years old, this this is his past deflection numbers. 15 past deflections in 18, uh, 16 in 2019, 12 last year. Like, that's that's pretty impressive to go along with you know three interceptions last year five in 2019 two in 2018 like i mean he's making plays on the ball like he's a good i think more than anything what probably happened is the saints couldn't afford to pay him they already had marshawn Lattimore. they needed to restructure and they're 850 billion dollars over the cap or whatever it is and they had to let some guys go and he was just the oldest guy in the room and they let him walk but I mean, he like I, I can definitely see why the Titans are interested, like especially because he's kind of that Malcolm Butler, like Cortland Finnegan, like get in your face. You know, I think uh, Teron Davenport was tweeting about uh, a corner maybe earlier in the week, maybe more, maybe a little bit later than that. But he was talking about I think it was J.C. Horn, maybe about how he like had dog in him and stuff because he was just like up in people's faces and stuff. And I, I like that. Like you, sh- your corners need that. And if that, and if it wasn't Tehran, you know, it, it was somebody, but it, you know, you need some of those corners who are that Malcolm, Butler. like, I don't care if you beat me one play, I'm going to get in your face the next play. Now, I don't know that I would just commit to Janoris being the starter. I, maybe I should call him Jackrabbit. He prefers that. Uh, I, I don't know if I would like <laughs> make Jackrabbit the starter without any sort of Please like, competition. Don't. Please don't. Uh, sorry, he ref- that's his name, and I. who am I to judge? But, uh, like, having Jackrabbit on the, <laughs> oh God. Uh, having North Jenkins on the outside and then bringing in a rookie behind him, especially if you sign one of these slot corners in free agency, like, I can squint and understand how that's a 
like a good plan. Like you've got a guy who is not is not Jonathan Joseph and like, oh, he's a veteran leader. And then you look at his play from last year and it's terrible. It's like, oh, this guy's actually somebody like who's doing things on a playoff team. Like the Saints defense carried that offense for most of the year. Jonathan so, Joseph had a foot in the retirement home when the Titans yeah, signed like, him. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I think this is a very different scenario than that. Um, so, but I'm afraid that that's going to be the comparison with a 30 plus year old corner getting taken. But I think the plan probably until I'm proven different, uh, until it's proven otherwise, which has happened several times this off season is bring in a slot corner and then, let value fall to you in the draft. If you find somebody you love late in the first, great. If you want one of the Washington kids later, that's cool too. Like, but he's somebody you feel okay with as a starter. And then if somebody outplays him in camp, kind of like Dennis Kelly, then you can replace him. But for now you just pencil him in as a starter and you see what happens next. What concerns me is, do you, do you guys think, let's say Jenkins, Fulton and a rookie, do you think that's better than the crop of cornerbacks we had last year? Which crop? Yeah, because there were with a Dory. Yeah. With a Dory. With a I mean, if, if there's a healthy Dory, then I mean, I think a healthy Dory Jackson, a healthy Malcolm Butler, and a healthy who's Desmond our slot? King. Yeah, are we gonna Hold put it. Desmond? Fulton oh yeah, there? that's true. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know because we never had to really see they they mixed and matched so. Much many corners so many times that it's hard to say but I like i mean i i like the idea of if you replace fulton with desmond king like i like the idea of that group but i mean when was the last time we saw dory jackson healthy like are we getting 2018 of dory jackson because like sure sign me up but i mean i just don't I, know if, I, they, if they get better in that scenario with jenkins and a rookie i i feel like they well, still need to get a well it depends how good the rookie is honestly like if it's a first round rookie and he can play to that potential then then yeah probably but i don't know like i wouldn't hate it if they dip back into the cornerback market in free agency like william jackson's still out there i love him i think he would be a fantastic signing uh, he'd probably be really expensive but he's a guy you can do a lot with and, and you can you can kind of just not worry about his side of the field um if you let him play one on one so I'd be cool with that, but I don't. I don't know what their plan is, really. Yeah, it, it's a lot. It, it's a lot more murky because we didn't know that this was happening until a couple hours ago, and then we didn't know that Malcolm Butler would be cut until like, you know, a hundred hours ago. Like, I mean, it hadn't been that long since yeah. Butler was cut, even though it feels like forever ago. So it's kind of hard to take in the whole plan because every time you think you pin it down, they cut somebody else. Okie dokie. It is. Well, actually, we do have one more thing I want to talk about before we get to stop the nonsense. We've made it through all the topics at this point. We've talked about everything. Uh, and we did it in less than two hours, which is phenomenal. Uh, one more thing, though. Pick one more player for the Titans to sign in free agency. They only get one more. Who, who do you want? Um, they need a receiver. Probably Curtis Samuel. I don't. Th- I don't. I think the other guys would be too expensive, and I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on Fuller and Galladay because of their injury history. So I think Samuel would make sense. I would have been Hilton until earlier today. Uh, T.Y. 
No, Mike. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. It would have to be. I mean, I okay. I'll say this because I think it's controversial. I think Juju Smith-Schuster would be interesting because I think he's for the right price. High. I definitely agree. And he's but, twenty-four but, years old. Like, but that right price, like, and granted, you know, I talked at the open about how the receiver market is is. I saw a report earlier today where. Some receiver told maybe it's Josina Anderson. It was like, man, it's disappointing what the offers are. If they can get Juju Smith Schuster for seven, eight million bucks, get him back to where he's a complimentary piece, like he was to Antonio Brown back in the day when he started to emerge. I think that's a great move for the Titans. I'm with you, Will. But it's all all about the price for me on go. that one. Yeah, like and and I mean, if it's not about the price, then go ahead and give me Kenny Galladay or William Jackson or whatever. But just thinking about guys who might have a depressed market, who could thrive. I mean, if you get Juju Smith-Schuster on a two-year deal and you say, okay, our plan is to play you in the slot. If you're great, we'll play you on the outside and you'll be the wide receiver too. If not, we know that you're a great slot receiver and that's that's all we're expecting. You know, You don't have to be the next anybody here. You're just going to be you. And then you just let him work in this offense, and he's a better version of Adam Humphreys on a team that doesn't have Jonu Smith eating up targets over the middle of the field. I mean, I think that's good value. Like, get him on a two-year deal, let him hit the market again when he's 26. Like, it works out for everybody. But other than that, like, I mean, there's a ton of guys right now that are still out in the open that – I would love to have, but just, you've just got to focus on receiver or slot corner. Like it's just, I, it's, it's hard for me to look at anywhere else and to feel comfortable spending money there. You know, if you'd asked me this morning before all these moves happened, I might've still said a pass rusher. Honestly, I might've said, go get Ryan Kerrigan. And I still think that might be something they should do because even with Dupree in the fold, your, your goal, if you're the Titans is still to cut down on Dupree's snap count and Landry's snap count, both of which, uh, were entirely too high for their respective teams last year. Uh, did I, I said Vic Beasley? I know I did. Uh, Bud Dupree for the uh, <laughs> Bud Dupree for the Steelers. I don't think you did. Oh, I did I not? Bud well, Bud, du- Bud Dupree for the Steelers and Harold Langer for the Titans played way too many snaps uh, when they were healthy. When 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 uh, um, uh, 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 Dupree was healthy. <laughs> <laughs> not you're just you're what you need to do is you need to like record yourself saying bud dupree and then go back and just saying like bud dupree and then just like go back and stamp it over every time like write a note down and just like stamp it over the marks when you say it because that'd be super funny my mind is playing tricks on me <laughs> i don't know why um anyway but now after the hemorrhaging that took place on tuesday afternoon uh I'm kind of with you there. Like, it's time to start filling some more holes, and receiver certainly one of them. I- I'm going to kind of go – I would be fine with either one of the players y'all mentioned, uh, Juju or Curtis Samuel. It's time for Stomp the Nonsense. I got two today. It's really hard to choose because there's been a lot of it lately. This is a great time of year for it. First of all, we don't get political on this podcast. This is not a political podcast. However – If you're a politician and you're listening to this show, I will give you full support. I will endorse you with with my Twitter account and everything. If you will institute a bill in in your state, if you're with a state government or, or in Congress, if you're in the federal government, 
No more time changes. Over. Done. No more. It's stupid. It is pointless. Keep it the way it is now, where, you know, I'm looking out my window, and it's just now getting dark at 7.53 p.m. Keep it that way, and don't change it anymore. Because, goodness gracious, Sunday morning, I'm sitting there, tears streaming down my face, even though I got plenty of sleep, because it threw my body off so much to have the light the way it was, and and I was just so exhausted that my eyes kept watering. So dumb and pointless. Are y'all with me on that? Like, why do we still do this twice a year? Yeah, it, isn't it like because of farming? Isn't that yes. why they originally it was for farmers? Yeah, but we've had massive industrialization, so every, I don't think it's necessary every, anymore. Every, I mean, you guys and, don't understand about my crops. Like I have to know. I have to know the sun uh, is an hour earlier, uh, or an hour later. I guess this time of year, you every wouldn't now, understand. Every now and then, I'll see like a state legislator introducing a bill to end this, and I don't know why they never get any traction. Like, I'm I'm not really sure. And I've seen it on both sides. Arizona like, oh. does it right. Like uh, Arizona, maybe, is maybe like, they are one. I, I yeah, feel like, like I remember I that. I think there's a couple of states that. First of all, don't even do it. And then there's some states that like keep trying to pass these bills that don't get passed. You're right, by the way. There's it's it doesn't make any sense why it's like okay, we're gonna start our days off at a different time now. It's like if everything just goes back to where it was in six months, why don't we just stay the same? Like, <laughs> just you're right. It's just a net neutral thing. Okay, so my second stop the nonsense is to this. Uh, account on Twitter that posted something just very bizarre, what I found to be bizarre, at Baltimore Beatdown. This is the Ravens SB Nation site. They tweeted this. Multiple non-reputable sources saying that the Ravens and the Jaguars are near a trade. Orlando Brown Jr. going to Jacksonville and DJ Chart being traded to Baltimore. Hoping for something more concrete before we make a post, but we want to acknowledge the rumors. What are we doing, people? This isn't even like a situation of like, let's have a que- a conversation about ethics of journalism. Why are we ignore like? So, this person, whoever did this, is under the impression that well, if I just tweet it but don't make a website post, uh, it's okay. This account has 12,000 followers and a blue check mark. And he tweeted, <laughs> this is just blows my mind, non-reputable sources. Why are we tweeting it if the sources are non-reputable? It's because you want attention. You, you want clicks. Now, I held off on reacting to this at first. I saw it. I sent it to you guys. It made me mad. Uh, but I'm like, I'm not going to say anything publicly about this until... Tony Khan, part owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, responded to it and said, here's something concrete. That's the biggest load of crap I've ever read. That is 100% false. What are we doing, people? Like, when a team owner is getting on Twitter to roast your website, you have clearly done something very dumb. Yeah, I, I love that response. 
and I don't understand why they even tweeted that to begin with. To, to like ig- to acknowledge the rumors. What? Huh? Is that what they said? Yeah, that's what that's they said. What, is it? Uh, we but we, we we don't know if it's true, but we want to acknowledge to, that the rumors exist. That's like creating an article saying sources or reports and then whatever and then your source is the Adarn Schefter account on yeah. Twitter. That's yeah. like the fake Adarn Schefter. Or Barry McCocker. Legitimately the same thing. Yeah. So oh bad. goodness gracious. That's I mean, as somebody who retweeted that, uh I love it. Like I love the <laughs> chaos. Like I love the chaos of actual people being like unknown sources because in my head I just imagine these like not even agents, just like area scouts in an NFL team being like, hey, we talked about this in the lunchroom the other day. And these guys like fly into their keyboard and being like, OK, like this is I, I, I know there's a lot of rumors. It's like you search it and there's no results because it didn't make any sense because they just franchise their left tackle. And it's like that's what's, I, I just, fu- that's what's funny about it. this, though. It's They didn't just say unnamed sources or anonymous. They said unreliable sources. <laughs> <laughs> which is like my buddy told me it is like, no connection it's like that's not even a source an unreliable source is nothing like a source like the one thing a source has to be is like somebody they're not, with they're knowledge not reliable they're not a source yeah it's like that's that's it's like it's like saying i ate a beef chicken leg like it doesn't exist it's not yeah. a thing it's like I had some non-gluten uh, cow's milk the other day. Or sorry, non-dairy cow's milk the other yeah. day. Yeah. And it's like, well, hold on. So like, you had water? It's like, kinda, yeah, it's kind of the one thing. It's like, yeah, water? That's funny. You guys want uh, me to go next. I'll no, go next. no, I'll go, no, 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 I'll do mine. Uh, so uh, this is, this stop nonsense is more because it terrified me for what was going to come next. But <laughs> The Rams re-signed Leonard Floyd, and they re-signed him to a deal for $16 million a year. And that may sound like, on the top of your head, like it's like, okay, well, that's 0.5 less than uh, Dupree got. Like, maybe it's not that bad, whatever. Like, their numbers aren't even close. Like, over... So we, so Floyd, just for anybody who doesn't know, is an edge who played in Chicago. He was like a hybrid linebacker edge coming out of Georgia. Um, he's he's kind of got a weird body type, but it looked like he finally found kind of his niche in uh, with the Rams, partially because they just have a really good front and they're super aggressive and they've got good corners behind it and it's easy to be a pass rusher there. But they paid Floyd $16 million a year and he's had more than 10 sacks in a season once in his career and it was last year with 10.5 and i was like okay well maybe he's super young he's not he's 28 years old or he was 28 years old last year so you're getting a guy like the and this is something i've looked at with bud dupree like i there should be no flack on bud dupree for being an old like an older free agent and somebody who doesn't necessarily have like elite production or whatever it's not even close like so my fear was that this was going to drive up the edge market and it turns out the Rams just don't really know what they're doing and they make these terrible contracts and whatever. But for a second, I was terrified that the Titans were going to spend like $15 million a year on Ryan Kerrigan because they were going to get priced out of everything else and still end up overpaying. So that was kind of my nightmare this week. 
My stop the nonsense is friend of the pod, Chad Forbes. Just kidding. He's not a friend of the pod. But I don't like this guy. I've never liked this Twitter account. I don't know why he has 18,000 followers. A lot of people always retweet him. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't actually think he has any sources, but he acts like he does. His source is probably add on Schefter, like the like the Baltimore beatdown guys. But anyway, today he tweeted something that, that, that bothered me. Uh, it was about John Robinson and uh, Mike Rabel. He says, feels like Titans John Robinson and coach Mike Rabel are heading for a divorce, both under contract for two more seasons. Robinson has done a dog S-word job the past few years adding talent to the roster via free agency and the draft. Vrabel is an exceptional coach and would be a hot commodity. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like Mike Vrabel's burner. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Vrabel wrote that. Legitimately, like it legitimately does. Uh, first of all, it's off base. Like Robinson has done it. A good job adding talent to the roster. He's this an roster exceptional was coach and will be a hot commodity. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one. I don't think it would be a hot commodity at all. But the except exceptional, I don't know about He'd that. Get a DC job, maybe. Uh, I was going to say there's he a good awful as a yeah, DC. There's a good chance that he he would have to be a linebacker coach. Like based <laughs> off it, like if you if you're saying it's like okay, well. You're a really great leader, and it's like, well, well, you know, what have you done on defense? And he points to the last two, three defenses he's run, and they're all like bottom five in DVOA. It's like that—that's like his agent sent like sent a text out, and he was like, if anybody will tweet this, I would really appreciate it. And Forbes was like, got it. Like I'm already on board. Like it's just insane. He had, he had another tweet like an hour later. It said a general manager should never allow agents to, that represent him or her on a personal employment agreement with the club to leverage that relationship for unbridled access to pitch the players. What? What does this even mean? And then he he finishes <laughs> it off with Titans GM John Robinson breaks this rule with impunity and it shows. I say it like that because he had an exclamation mark at the what end. Does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And there are people in the comments like, what? Can you elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> Like when so, you were reading that, that I couldn't follow what what was happening in that tweet. Like, no, I couldn't either. It's just a mi- mishmash of, of words. I have no idea what. No idea what it means. But we forgot to mention the Darren Ravel tweet. <laughs> Mostly oh, junk. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was too brutal for stop the nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, that like, was like. Well, the like guy added uh, at, or tagged Darren Novell in the tweet, and he was like cleaning out Dad's old card collection. Don't e- don't even know where to start. <laughs> Mostly junk. Just like super. You didn't mention that the guy's dad had died. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the key it. part in this. His dad was dead. Hmm. Well, Darren Rovell is is. Uh, do you guys follow him? I I no. have never followed him, and I never will in my entire. I should probably. I think, block I, have him. A, I, think I have him muted. Uh, by the way, I'm uh, looking through uh, at NFL Draft Bites, our boy, and like Jan looking up Forbes? things he said about the Titans, and he's like, uh-huh. Titans Jayon Brown will generate a lot of interest in the open market. The Titans will tender <laughs> a, a, a logical one person interested in him yet. Dude, yeah, yeah, right. Like, I like it, it wouldn't shock me if he came back on like a one year, five million dollar deal at this point Seriously? because no, there is no like, emotion. Deep. Yeah, it's it that's pretty crazy. And, 
who, yeah, I'm thinking so, like next time we're talking. Yeah, next time we're on the pod, we might be talking about the same thing. Yeah, we we were gonna get uh, a Steelers and a Colts person on here to talk about Autry and Dupree, but that didn't work out. So, and I think we just needed the time to talk ourselves. So we'll try again with that uh, next week, and obviously there will be plenty more to talk about because this roster is far from being done. Uh, until next time, this has been really fun, really long episode, but we needed it. Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke. Thank you for listening. We want to remind you and everyone else in the sports world, number one, that the pass rusher the Titans signed is not Vic Beasley, but Bud Dupree. And number two, to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.